Blessings and welcome to the Authentic Living Podcast. Thank you for downloading this. This episode was recorded at the meditation class that I run most weeks here in Hebden Bridge. In the middle of each class, in between the, the two sits that we do, there's always time for questions or I try to give a some reflection on perhaps the kind of spiritual dimension to something that's been going on this week or uh, something that may be of interest to the people who have come to the class about meditation practice or their own lives. This week I was asked the question, what's the best meditation practice to do at home? While that might seem like a, an easy answer, it really does depend on each person and their relationship to awareness and consciousness. So I go into that in some detail. I also go into the stages you would go through when sitting on your own or being guided and how to kind of use your time uh, in a way that will bring you into a relationship with the truth of, of your own being. So I hope it's of uh, use to you and uh, I hope you enjoy it very much. It would be wonderful if you could support these recordings and this podcast and the sharing of these teachings by visiting www.authenticliving.life slash donate and offering your support. Anything you gift from the price of a cup of coffee to something grander helps to encourage the grace and truth of consciously taking part in human life with real awareness. And if you want to find out more about the work that we do, have a look at www.authenticliving.life. May the light of truth and presence guide and illuminate your life. Thank you. Hello. Wonderful. Lovely to see you all. And uh, kind of this week kind of continues from last week, although it does, doesn't it really? So, you know, life. But um, in terms of, uh, you know, last week we were looking at um, kind of our practice as loving ourselves. I think I just wanted to kind of have kind of these little loose themes. Um, so that's kind of still in the air a bit, really. I was thinking that's still kind of in the air. Yeah, we have a few minutes before we sit again. It's a good chance if, if you've got any questions about your practice or anything. I say this every week over in England. So it's kind of uh, quiet. And uh, <laughs> When I'm meditating at home, I'm trying to start doing it daily again, what do you suggest that we do as a, as a way of meditating? You mean as in terms of the practice? Yeah. It depends so much on each person. You see, if I came from a particular school, we were just talking about this, actually. If I came from, you know, Buddhism or something like that, I would say, you know, this is our practice. Um, the reason, one of the reasons I run this is because um, I'm interested in kind of what lies beyond practice, of kind of, you know, what we really are and what's kind of real about us and what's original. And, um, and so when I think about 
other people who have done that, uh, people like uh, uh, Nisargadatta or um, uh, Ramana Marishi or Jesus, you know, people like that. Um, not that I'm anything like those, but um, just they try to talk about real things, I suppose. Uh, if I think about what Nisargadatta would say, he would just say, you know, sit and look for the I am in you and look for everything that's not the I am and just let it go. That kind of approach has been kind of adapted by, say, the, the uh, advice of Vedantists. And so it can seem very similar to that, but people like him would, would say that they don't belong to any religion or any, any faith or anything. And I would say the same for myself in a way, that the only thing that is worth anything is what is real. And, um, and that's that we are life itself. And so it's to sit in life if you can. But if, if um, and it's different for each person. And so it's very, very hard to say. Um, maybe we just have a cup of tea sometime and have a, have a chat about it. If um, you're still, and it's not about getting rid of the mind, but if you're still identifying through things in the mind a lot, so say that you, um, you know, you have a, a, a belief in a religion, for example, and, and you think that's what you are, or you consider yourself to be of a particular flag or nationality, you know, these are identifications. So what we're looking to do by our practice is to remove the ignorance of what we really are. Uh, and so that can be anything. So the most simple practice is something I love very, very much, and again, we were just talking about this, is just just letting your awareness be, which is very close to Zen, just sitting. There's just sitting practice of Zen. So you just sit. And of course you can observe that the mind is moving, which is what we did in a practice just now. You can observe things moving across the mind, uh, but you can also observe that some things you grab onto. And when you grab onto something, Notice if you fight with it or not, if it pulls in your heart or not, if it kind of creates emotion or not. And it's not that we're trying to get rid of the natural processes of emotion, but we're just trying to kind of put them back in their proper place of being our... The emotions are our biofeedback devices, so we know what's going on in life. They're not necessarily true. And it's the same with our thoughts. You know, our, our thoughts and our emotions are conditioned. So it's to kind of start seeing what's conditioned. So in, in Zen... You would just sit for 20 minutes or 40 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, a couple of times a day, and just let it go. But for, again, for some people, that would be too much. So it's, a, it's about just kind of being honest with ourselves and, and just kind of, you know, finding a practice that allows us to kind of let go of, of what's holding us back. Um, we were talking about Pima Chodron uh, and... Um, she has a very beautiful practice, uh, which is a Tibetan practice called Shenpa. And so as you sit, if you're doing the just sitting practice, if you notice that something arises that you're holding on to, perhaps it arises as a bodily feeling or as a strong emotion or something, Shenpa practice is basically just allowing yourself to soften with it. That's all that it is. And it's whatever is arising that day. It's not chasing after anything. And that, that's... So I would say something along those lines. Uh, but I, I, I do think we also, because of uh, our conditioning, 
we tend to see ourselves as seekers always rather than finders. Uh, and so I think sometimes we actually start a bit low. You know, we aim low. Uh, who is it? Michelangelo. It's better to aim high and miss than to aim low and achieve, isn't it? And, uh, and so I would just go straight for who am I? Just keep asking yourself, who am I? And uh, notice the ego, notice the conditionality, notice the thing, and then just notice that, that you notice that. Notice the consciousness noticing it. And so you are the consciousness. You know? <coughs> yeah. Still yeah. asking that and trying to answer it, or asking that and just seeing what comes. Yeah, yeah it's more of a felt sense. Yeah. It's not a, not a mental thing. Yeah. You know, we, we create what we believe is our lives through our minds, but we're not that life at all. As people often find out, you know, people have, um, people create lives themselves. They believe that's who they are. And then they have an illness or an accident or somebody dies on them or they get divorced and suddenly pff, all that stuff that we thought we were is just pssh, like this. And um, uh, yeah, and believing in things, it's, it's you know, we, we believe we, and, and we're completely, you know, it's, that, that's a really good, but we shouldn't have to wait. We shouldn't have to, suffering, will, the, way, the way life tries to teach us is by suffering because we're not actively engaged with asking that basic question of who we are. And the more we do that, I think the less suffering we actually have to do. You know, that makes any sense at all. You know, uh, otherwise I think, you know, maybe, you know, three Our Fathers, four Hail Marys and uh, uh, a cup of tea, you know? We've done that, you know? You know, I can... <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. That was my, that was my initial tradition. So, uh, I can give you some of that if you want. But, uh, just, just sitting 20 minutes times two a day, you know, is, is the best thing of all, I think, is lovely. But if, that's, if it's too much, then just, just seeing, you know, what, what else, you know, yeah. And if, and if you can't, if you just can't sit, because it's not about sitting, you know, just walking meditation is wonderful, you know, and just extending your awareness, just so the foot thing, thinking about the kind of like the four levels of awareness and just, just kind of, just, just let your awareness be, and then let appreciation come through from that. You know, mm. yeah. You can do that all right. Yeah, beautiful. There you go. <laughs> wonderful. What I did want to talk to, talk about for a couple of minutes was just because uh, this is my kind of little theme, uh, and something I always try to kind of push uh, with this authentic living business is uh, is kind of self care. Um, which uh, I think is one of the most important practices and, um, and not something we do enough of at all, really. And just uh, realising that the kind of the, the ordinary stuff of, of our particular lives is sacredness itself, you know, that our lives are sacred just because they are our lives and because we are life. I think, again, very often the kind of the idea of of being a seeker or looking for enlightenment or trying to get well or, or whatever it is, kind of can cut us off from that kind of inherent beauty and sacredness. And the kind of the, de the, the fact that our lives are our lives, you haven't got any, you know, it's not the egoic life I'm talking about, but just that expression of life that's ours, that dynamic expression. You know, we have a, a wonderful body and the life moves through that. And 
and, and the kind of the things of our lives, even the things that we love, you know, we might, we might be, we may sing or we might write or we might help people in a certain way or we might do our yoga practice and things and <clears throat> whatever, or raise children or bake bread or, you know, share a meal with friends. And those things are life, you know, those are the things itself. And just to kind of uh, let ourselves be in awareness sort of in those situations, I think, is one of the most beautiful things we can do, really. And um, I'm, I'm not a kind of dispenser of teachings or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not built that way. It's just uh, I just try to notice kind of what seems to work for us as human beings and what doesn't. And, uh, and in my own life, I found myself very driven, uh, you know, as, as those of you who've known me for some years and things will attest, uh, but please don't. Uh, you know, I was angry and driven and, uh, and quite horrible uh, to myself more than anybody else, uh, which would occasionally spill over to other people. And, um, <clears throat> and it was all that sort of believing that, you know, I had to make myself into a better person somehow, kind of driving that and kind of uh, almost like trying to fit in, you know, during my Buddhist years, for example, trying to, trying to be a good Buddhist, trying to fit into a particular box. And... Um, and actually realizing that that's kind of a denial of life in itself. You know, you can express yourself through these things or you can kind of try to, to fit in and be something. It's interesting that, uh, you know, our kind of self, I talked about this last week, but our self-talk is the best indicator of how we're getting on really with ourselves. Because um, if we were to kind of externalize, there's a video, isn't there, on YouTube or something of somebody kind of, talking to somebody else in the same way as they talk to themselves and it's just absolute abuse it's the most vile thing ever and uh and i guess you know one thing to be aware of is when we're doing our sitting practice is that layer of self-talk you know not trying to change it but just awareness is the key to everything rumpelstiltskin that's all it's just rumpelstiltskin you know we see it and then don't be afraid of it just oh, look at that you know look at that and just noting it is, is enough to kind of begin a change, I think. And it's very important just to kind of put your hand on your heart and say, you know, I love you to yourself, I think, especially during those times. So whatever kind of self-care practices we can support ourselves with, I think, are, you know, is, is really, really important. It's not just sort of, you know, sit and off you go kind of thing. <clears throat> and uh, in particular environments take us away from caring for ourselves you know, the working environment can be very, very hard, uh, especially if we have things to do with other people. And that can be very challenging indeed. Family situations, you know. I think just relationships in general are the most challenging things of all. Uh, but they're also the best mirrors of kind of what's in us. It's not that we should take people's nonsense and things like that, but also we have to kind of look out for our own kind of self-righteousness and things. So... And, and yeah, so I don't know what that means. Just, uh, just, uh, just starting to kind of a practice of loving ourselves. I think is is probably the most important thing I can think of, really. And you know, never mind about meditation; it's not that important. You know, if we loved ourselves a bit better, that would just be thing. And the amazing thing is, of course, is that you don't have to love yourself, and you can't love yourself. But it's nice, you know, you have to sometimes just kind of start almost externally. I was saying last week, you know, and Pima Chodron's name keeps coming up tonight, and last week, one of her lovely practices is um, 
if you're going through a hard time, just imagine that it's your best friend or the person that you love the most going through that time and consider it maybe by journaling, externalize it. What would you do for that person? How would you help them? And then do that for yourself, you know. But what we tend to do is we tend to kind of keep it in a kind of miasma of unconsciousness, not really being aware of it, not actually looking at it. And so, um, you know, one day when I have time, I might, you know, do something. And then, of course, we fall apart and, you know, we have to be put back together again and all this sort of thing. So let, let's, let's do it before. Let's love ourselves before we fall apart rather than falling apart. Yeah, so for just continuing with Claire's question, in a way, the first sit that we did, if you're thinking about kind of home practice, there's, there's, there, are, there, are, there were four definite steps to the first thing that we did. I don't know if you've kind of, those of you who've been coming now for a while, if you notice, at some point maybe I should just do a kind of a, these are the four steps uh, that I lead you through session. Maybe I need to do that, just kind of break it down so it's very clear. Um, so what, what we basically do is, uh, 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 is what I call attunement. So that's letting yourself arrive. Um, and so if you're kind of doing your own practice, it's important to kind of give like five or six minutes to just, just arriving. And, um, and just kind of checking in with yourself but not, and, and kind of noticing that if you're trying to push the mind away and noticing if you're trying to control your emotions and stuff like that and kind of... You know, and so that's, that's kind of the first sort of five minutes or so. Then I tend to uh, just go through the body and actually just kind of move into kind of awareness of life in the body. Just a simple, subtle feeling of life in the body. Uh, and that, what that does is it kind of just moves us a little bit into consciousness, you see. And that takes us out of that kind of grip of the mind and the, and the emotions a little bit. This is what we did in our first bit anyway, just for... If you're going to try practicing more at home, we become aware of the breath. And that increases that level of consciousness a little further. If for those of you who, who like Eckhart Tolle, who is a wonderful, wonderful person, uh, he uses a very similar thing of just kind of saying, come into, you just be aware of the life in, in your right hand, then be aware of the life in your left hand, then in your feet, then in the whole body. And then you just stay with that, and amazingly, your awareness, your awareness of self, of truth, kind of deepens. And then you kind of find yourself before your thoughts and before your emotions. So it's exactly the same process. And then what we do is we observe the thoughts and observe the emotions so that we notice that we notice them, that we can start seeing that we're not them. Uh, so that would kind of, if, if it was in stages, kind of thing, that would kind of be like the third stage. So we, we can observe from some part of, some truer part of ourselves can observe the thoughts and the mind, or, or if we can't, we can at least notice that they've got a grip on us. So that, that, that leads to a very interesting question. Who is noticing? See, and in yoga, the tantra traditions and so on, you would call this the witness. Um, if you've ever done yoga nidra or something like that, you'll have heard the term the witness. In, in certain traditions, in Advaita and in yoga, they would probably say, that's who you really are. 
And most of the time, I would probably say that as well. And you just rest in that, really. When we first begin to practice, we may notice that uh, sort of certain stuff kind of comes up in the mind. Oh, well, am, am I running away from the world? You know, kind of thing. I'm, I'm not, you know, and do I have to stay like this all my life? I can't do this all my life. If that, those kind of things are going on, then you're still very much in your thoughts. You know, it's kind of, a, and the mind's playing a trick, pretending it's the consciousness. Uh, when, we, when we rest in consciousness, or the I am, as I call it, you actually just have a sense of I am, uh, of kind of, of beingness, uh, if you want to call it that. And the mind still functions. And what happens is over time, just it can be quite quick, you know, just like, you know, a few years or something like that, or maybe, maybe even it's instant. Once you have that shift in consciousness to the kind of more true part of ourselves, the I am, then it doesn't stop the mind. The mind doesn't stop. So all these meditation practices that try to stop the mind, they're trying to do something quite impossible. Uh, we don't stop the emotions, but they become a bit, they start being cleaned out and upgraded. They get a kind of, because they're, they're kind of fed by consciousness rather than we're looking outwards now into the world rather than looking in, trying to find something. And that's pretty much it. So that, that, that was the first practice we did. And the only thing I added to it, which is kind of, a, it, is the just kind of connecting with our hearts bit, which I just think is really important. Uh, you know, and if you find yourself completely in a mess, I'd, if you ever spot me in the co-op, I'm often like this in the co-op. The co-op seems to do it to me. Uh, so you'll find me standing in the co-op with my hand on my heart, particularly in the dairy section. <laughs> yeah, I kid you not, you know, kind of thing. It's, you know, being a human being is... At, it's those sliding doors. There you go. There you go, yeah. No, and, and you've only got two hands, haven't you? See, there you go. So if you're struggling with the yogurt and having an existential crisis in the co-op... And then, of course, there's the price of live yogurt in the co-op. You know, it's a definite hand on the heart sort of thing, isn't it? You know? So there you go. Yeah. So uh, the thing is, right? Yeah. And you know what's absolutely astonishing is you can, you, can, you can just do all this in the middle of the road, right? Nobody notices because they're all busy believing their, their thoughts. You know, honest to God, they're just, they're just, everybody's so in their own world. No one will notice if you put your hand on your heart. And, you know, and if they do, it doesn't matter, does it? Because being a human being is absolutely ridiculous. The quicker we embrace that, the better, really. It's beautiful and ridiculous. What battling with the dogs in the co-op? Battling with, there's no, there's no getting around it, is it? It's absolutely existential. Nietzsche, can you imagine Nietzsche in the co-op? Or Strindberg, <laughs> Strindberg in the co-op. That would be, never mind. Won't go there. <laughs> I think I've got an idea for a story now. <laughs> August Strindberg in the co-op. So, yeah, so... That would be a decent practice if you wanted a 20-minute practice. Thank you for turning up tonight. Thank you for turning up in your own lives. Thank you for wanting to be in life more. Just thank you for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>